The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees, with some scribes, who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and the scribes questioned him, why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines, human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person, but the things that come out from within are what defile. From within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within, and they defy. The Gospel of the Lord. It's good to be back at St. John's this weekend. Uh, For the past month or so, I've been helping out uh, at St. Peter's. Um, with Father Doty and Father LaRue has recently been appointed the new assistant there, and so now I'm back in residence, which is good. And in today's gospel, our Lord brings up this dialogue. It's a dialogue he continually has with the Pharisees, and it's this dialogue about You know, the difference between kind of, you know, externally observing the law and the conversion of the heart, right? The conversion of the heart. And the Pharisees criticize Jesus' disciples because they don't follow what the law says. The law says you have to wash your hands before you eat. They don't wash their hands before they eat. And then our Lord just speaks these words of challenge to them talking about all the things that come from within. Basically saying to them, are you examining your heart? Like, is your heart 
in conformity with what you outwardly do or what you outwardly believe. And that's a challenge that all of us have been going through. We've been watching the news and the things going on in the church in the United States and and kind of these revelations that, you know, like who knew what went about this situation or that situation and, you know, the levels of abuse that have taken place in the church in the last hundred years or so. And it brings up this question of, like, are our hearts converted? And most of us don't have any power over that right now. The only thing we can do is like, look to our Lord. But there is an opportunity for us to reflect on our own lives in the context of that. And over the last few weeks, I've been reflecting a lot on my life in the context of that. And also in the context of the pastoral ministry that I do, which is very has become a very kind of specialized ministry where I work with people who struggle with sins of infidelity, either like physical infidelity or infidelity in the heart within their marriages. And oftentimes when that kind of sin is manifested within a marriage, the one who feels betrayed, they want to know everything and every detail and what's going on and where it's going on and and oftentimes until there's a time period of reflection, counseling, etc., the partner who had violated their vows, they, they don't really know the answers to that until they go through this time period of examination. And one of the themes that comes up in that time is often the theme of lying. And our Lord points to that today in today's gospel. He says, from within people, from their hearts come evil thoughts on chastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit. And deceit or that sin against the eighth commandment, it's, it's one that we don't think about a lot. You know, like it's, I could say generally speaking as a confessor, um, a lot of times people don't confess lying. Even when they've been lying because they see it as well, that's kind of like a really interior thing, and it's more easy to justify than some of the external behaviors. And so, like somebody, like even a child might come in and they say, well, like, I stole a piece of candy, and, but they don't confess that they lied about it like ten times before they finally came clean. Because we just don't think about that. Someone who's been unfaithful to their spouse, they might confess infidelity to their spouse, but they don't confess that they lied about where they were last Saturday or two weeks ago or etc. And that kind of remains in their heart, this like residue of deceitfulness. And so today I want to reflect more deeply on the Eighth Commandment and like how do we live that out in our own lives, in our own hearts? Because we're also living in the midst of this time where certain groups of people are demanding a lot of transparency from our bishops, other groups of people, they're demanding, well, that we protect privacy, and and it's not always clear what's the difference between privacy and secrecy. And it's all laid out really clearly in the Catechism. The Catechism points out really clearly that lying, concealing the truth from another, in our relationships is a grave sin. And the way that's manifested, it's manifested in different ways. So 
There's when we lie to cover up a fault. We can lie to avoid consequences. Sometimes we can withhold truth because we think we're protecting our privacy from others. We have to guard against rash judgment. Rash judgment is when we sort of like receive some information and then we make the judgment that this is absolutely true without investigating and finding out if it's true. You know, and that can happen really, you know, very, it happens all the time. We call it gossip when we talk about our neighbors or we talk about, you know, Uncle Joe has all these issues or things like that. Detraction is a form of sharing information where we might know something about somebody and we tell somebody that doesn't know them about it in order to ruin their reputation. Calumny is when we, we tell a lie about a person in order to ruin their reputation and what we're saying isn't even true. And we, we all find ourselves in these situations of like, who has a right to know what? And there's a really good podcast that covers this, and it's a podcast for people who have experienced betrayal in relationships. And it has kind of an edgy name that I won't, like, give you in the context of a homily. Um, but it's an edgy name in the context. The podcast is by a therapist named Vicki Tidwell Palmer. She's from Houston. And she has an episode on, is it secret or is it private? And so there's three questions that she offers for discernment about, okay, am I holding a secret that somebody has a right to know something, or is it really private information that I'm holding in order to maintain safety in my relationship with this person? And the three questions that she offers are, the first one is, have I disclosed this information to anybody, or am I willing to? So there are things in our life that we might be holding on to that we've never told anybody, and maybe people have a right to know. Because in intimate relationships, there can be no intimacy without honesty. Especially within marriages, there can't be intimacy without honesty. We can't give our heart to somebody if we're not disclosing to them what the content of our heart is. So have I disclosed this to anybody or am I willing to? The second question she asks is, you know, am I hiding the truth, or am I withholding some aspect of the truth in order to protect myself from consequences or from conflict? And so sometimes we say, well, nobody has a right to know this, but really maybe they do and we're just holding it because we want to avoid consequences. That happens a lot with couples in recovery because they're afraid if they, uh, if they confess a slip to their spouse, then they might... Uh, there might be a lot of conflict and consequences. But in fact, they might have a right to know. And the third question is, do I have shame about this information that I'm holding? Is the reason I'm not disclosing it because I have shame? And so, if we answer no to the first question, I'm not willing to disclose, and yes to the second two, I'm withholding information somebody really has a right to know, and I have shame about it, then we're probably holding something to be secret. You know, and we do that, it happens a lot of times in families where there's addictions, 
know, in families where, you know, I know people who never knew they had a half-brother or they never knew that there was some other kind of scandal in their family. You know, some people kind of know, but... So it happens a lot within family systems. You know, and it, it happens within the church, too. You know, and sometimes we find ourselves in situations where sometimes more information might actually protect reputations because everybody assumes the worst thing because we're protecting against that rash judgment. And in order to safeguard everything, you know, one of the principles we all have to follow in our relationships is you know, to give somebody the benefit of the doubt that they're doing the right thing and that there's a reason for, that they're acting the way they're acting while also calling them to you know, restore relationships. You know, whether that's with a neighbor, somebody on parish council, the person next to us in the pews, you know, or our work relationships. And it helps us to have healthy you know, boundaries around the information that we share, why we're sharing it, which safeguards intimacy. You know, boundaries safeguard intimacy. And they help us to be safe in our relationships. You know, a lot of priests right now, they're really worried about, oh, what are, what's everybody going to be thinking about me and things like that. And that's why it's important for all of us in our relationships to communicate our boundaries well. You know, like, how do I live my life? Not just those boundaries around communication, but also like our physical boundaries. You know? So, like, we had a meeting with teachers at St. Peter's, and Father Doty and I both kind of just communicated, like, this is how I operate. You know, like, I don't like hugging people I don't know. And it really makes me uncomfortable when somebody comes up and they're like, Father, welcome to our parish. And they throw their arms around me, and I'm just like, whoa, I don't even know you. And, and, and I mean, maybe it's implied that I'm a safe person, but... Um, I don't really like hugging people I don't know. Um, even when I visit my niece, I always give her the option of how she wants to greet me. Because I only show up once a year, and it's kind of creepy when Uncle Sean comes to town, and she doesn't really know me, and I'm like, come give me a hug. So I don't really do that. And so it's kind of a joke, but it's always a conversation that kind of goes, hey, so what are we doing? Are we hugging, high-fiving, shaking hands, fist bumping, air high-fiving? What are you comfortable with? And now that, you know, it's been a few years that we kind of have this ritual and she just kind of smiles and gives me a hug. But she has a right to say if she wants to hug me or not hug me and it just makes things safer to do it that way. You know, I don't go to my couple friends. I have lots of friends that are couples and one time I went over to a friend's house and her husband wasn't home yet. He was coming back from a play and he was going to be home in 15 minutes. And so I sat in my car for 15 minutes. I waited for him to get home, and then I went into the house. And she's thinking to herself, well, like, what, why are you waiting? Like, I'm not going to attack you or anything. Um, but it's just a personal boundary that I have, that I don't go to my friends' houses if their husband's not home. Uh, even texting, like, I have text threads with lots of my spiritual directees, and if they're a woman, their husband is always on the text thread. And it's just like, hey, Father, are you coming over today? And like, it's from both of them, and I respond to both of them. Everything's very open um, so that people can see that. You know, and, and that's just the way that I've lived my life for a long time. It's not because I'm afraid of anything. It's just like keeps everything open. 
And I think all of us really need to reflect on like how do we live our lives in that way? Like how open are our relationships? Like how am I living an integrated life? In order to safeguard a space for intimacy and safeguard a space for love and safeguard a space for community, so there's no reason to be afraid of relationships. You know, because that's what our Lord's doing constantly. You know, our Lord came into the world in order to teach us how to love well. And so he points out to the Pharisees today, like loving well means more than doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. It means the transformation of your heart. You know, and deceitfulness, holding secret information that's private, things like that, they get, it gets in the way of loving well. It gets in the way of who God created us to be. And John Paul II says, God created the human person vulnerable or penetrable and transparent. That means like we're vulnerable to others, we're vulnerable to God. God can have an impact on our lives. And transparency in the beginning meant that what you see on the outside is what's on the inside. You know, because of sin, because of fear, because of the sins of others, we have to be guarded about who we share what information with because they could hurt us. But the goal of a loving, trusting relationship is that when I know this person is trustworthy, I can share my life with them. And sharing our life with another person, it's oftentimes, it opens the door to deeper, more intimate friendships, more intimate relationships, to being a true community, which our Lord has called us to be as a church. And we're living in a time in which our Lord has entered into the world again in order to bring truth, in order to reveal himself as the truth, and to remind us that everything about our faith is about learning to love him, to rely on him alone, and to live a life of love and communion with others. And so today, let us pray that our hearts are open to the way that our Lord wants to speak to us. That he revealed to us those places in our own hearts that need transformation, that need purification. And that he truly works the conversion in our hearts that he longs to give to us as his gift. So that we become that communion of life and love that he has intended from all time for his church. That he become the light that shines in the darkness of our culture.